You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Dr. Hanan Elsie. Uh, she's voted one of America's top dentists. Uh, she's a dental surgery graduate with uh, broad clinic management. Uh, she provides excellent care. Uh, she speaks English and Arabic fluently, which is pretty cool, and some uh, Spanish and French. And we're going to be talking about uh, her work. So, uh, Dr. Elsie, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah. Yes, um, yes, yes. So, so tell me about the, your dental work. What, um, what's distinguished you as uh, being rated a top dentist? Well, um, you know, there are a lot of things actually that, that do that. But I really think that the most important thing um, is just how your patients respond to you and how you respond to your patients. And I, I kind of take a holistic approach. I guess you could call me like a, a hippie dentist. Um, I'm concerned uh, about the patients wholly, and and you know how it is. Um, I say, God forbid, you look at their whole body and don't treat them just like an individual tooth or something. Yeah, you know? that would be terrible. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I mean that that kind of um, unfortunately, just because of the way insurance companies are and and their maximums, their yearly maximums, you know, they they focus on just you know one tooth, but. You know, you know how it is being in the dental chair. Being in the dental chair oh, yeah. is quite frightening, correct? Yeah, the light shines in my eyes, and you know, I just—they lean you back, and it feels like a loss of control. Just leaning back, and then when they're you know putting stuff in your mouth and they're sucking out the the saliva, and I don't know, the whole experience is annoying. Exactly. So you said it. It's the loss of control. So basically, you have to psychologically understand your patient before they feel comfortable uh, about you working on them. Uh, mm. So that, that is actually the way that I steer them. But I'm, I'm into more natural medications and I, I basically tell my patients to take quite a few supplements. Uh, okay. And that's just, that's just simply because what ends up happening is that what patients don't realize but now their you know their dental IQ is definitely getting better but what patients are not realizing um, is that having gum disease is pretty detrimental to your entire health. Yeah, tell um, me why. What, uh, what does gum disease look like when you see it you know in various stages and what's so bad about it? Okay so that is actually a very good question and I will tell you that gum disease basically translates into an active a constant active infection going on in your mouth 
So when you have a constant active infection going on in your mouth, and it is in relative degrees, in other words, you have um, just gingivitis, and when you hear that word, it, it, you become sensitized to it just simply because you hear it on the TV, on the radio so much that it, it, it appears to be not an active infection. So it starts off as gingivitis, and then it moves up the scale from mild, moderate to severe. And that basically is, that basically is decided based on the level of bone loss you have and the amount of plaque that turns into tartar that you have. These hmm. things, um, these, these things actually allow us to diagnose the patients to the point um, of actually deciding whether or not they need a specialist, and, and those specialists are called periodontists. But what, what I really want to stress is that um, gum disease actually affects every part of your body every organ system that you have and it is you know shown to um, contribute to cardiovascular disease just your circulation and your heart um, it contributes to diabetes to respiratory problems to osteoporosis to kidney disease to, and even cancer so um, these things are pretty pertinent for patients to understand, because if you consider the kind of bacteria that exists in your mouth um, that is causing the gum disease, when it's going through your bloodstream, of course, it's wreaking havoc on all of your systems. Yeah, so is it the fact that each, each tooth has access to your bloodstream and that there's only maybe a few millimeters from a healthy gum line in the bloodstream and, a, you know, maybe one millimeter or less, or who knows, or no distance between a compromised gum line and, and your bloodstream. Is that why uh, well, and mouth there, can hurt you so much? Yes, and it's just that, that bloodstream. And um, you're right about the, the level of bone loss. We measure it, I'm pretty impressed, in millimeters. That's actually a deciding factor as to whether somebody has gingivitis to you know, severe periodontitis or severe gum disease. But there exists in our mouth, um, the, the second we brush our teeth, there is something called a biofilm that develops on our soft and hard tissue. And that biofilm basically consists of bacteria and their byproduct and like a mucous membrane, basically um, communicating with your, your mucous membrane, your, your epithelium and your hard tissue, destroying it. So it is an inflammatory response. And if you consider that it's an inflammatory response, every disease in the, is an inflammatory response. So if your mouth is in a constant state of inflammation, Again, therefore, the rest of your body just subsequently follows. So what are some of the traditional ways of treating gingivitis or other mouth problems? And how, does it, how is it different with your treatments? You said they're more natural. You'll do supplementation. Like, what are some examples? So um, the protocol, which is, you know, definitely important, is to, first of all, get checked up um, twice a year. And then if we were to find that you have gingivitis, we would give you oral hygiene instructions that include how to exactly brush and that flossing is much more important than brushing, uh, just because no, no toothbrush will be able to get in between your teeth. 
And then if it turns into more of a, a periodontal disease or um, worsening gum disease, then we actually mechanically remove not just the plaque, but the tartar buildup as well. And those are, we have machines and instruments that allow us to do that. One of them is the ultrasonic. That's basically what we use the most. And that's just simply because it's using thousands of wavelengths, sonic wavelengths to remove the tartar off of your gums and your teeth. So that is the conventional way. Um, and it, it, it's definitely the most important way, the mechanical removal. Now, the supplements, you know, um, they supplement dentists in general, and I'm not knocking uh, this, but dentists in general like to prescribe prescription mouthwashes. And they, they suggest to their patients to, you know, get mouthwashes over the counter. The problem with these mouthwashes, in my mind, is that they contain a lot of preservatives that are unnecessary just to maintain a, a shelf life, you know. And they also contain, uh, I am not an advocate of fluoride whatsoever, because um, if you just look, if you Google fluoride and you see the damage that it does to our body from our brain down, um, it's not necessary. This is the hype that they want you to believe. So I do not advocate fluoride. I do not advocate any mouthwashes of preservatives. And I do not advocate any mouthwashes that have um, alcohol in them because alcohol mm. causes cell death. So um, that's something that I don't. So then, and you know, the alternative to that is just basically saline. It's salt water. Mm. Salt water is a, 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 a a very potent anti-bacterial, uh, anti-inflammatory uh, antiseptic. So I, I'm watching my patients as they're using the saline instead of these mouthwashes and their gums are healing. You know, uh, I have to be careful about the things that I say just simply because I have to say may contribute to antibacterial right. effects, may contribute to this and that. But... If you study these things and you research these things time and time again, there is so much research and so much literature that um, supports this. Hmm. That, so that, uh, that, yes. What, what is uh, plaque and tartar, by the way? You know, people, I've heard those words many times, but what is it made of? Have you seen any studies where they've, you know, analyzed it and looked at the constituents? Yes. So then um, basically the plaque is the soft film that is attached and part of the biofilm that we all wake up with consisting of multiple kinds of bacteria that basically produce an acidic environment in your mouth. If left untreated, then what it does is it calcifies. So when it has calcified, it turns into tartar. And tartar is a lot more damaging than the plaque or the soft film, just simply because the tartar, once it contacts your bone, it starts destroying it because it is so hard. So it infects your gums. It pushes your gums out of the way. And when it has pushed your gums out of the way, it contacts your bone. Once it contacts your bone, it starts destroying it. So there are sleeping cells in the bone. Those sleeping cells 
Um, once you've lost bone, you can regenerate more bone, but the more bone loss you have, the less likely you're going to regenerate that bone. So to answer your question, it's just, you know, a, a Petri dish, <laughs> multiple different kinds of bacteria. Worst kind um, is S mutans or Streptococcus mutans. That, that affects the teeth as well as the gums. Oh, so interesting. Have you uh, looked much about the uh, the microbiome of the mouth? Does that factor into dentistry, or is it too new and no one knows much about it yet? No, um, there's quite a bit of research about it, and um, I have researched the microbiome of the mouth, and, and not only the microbiome of the mouth, I've researched the human microbiome, and basically what what this concept is saying is that from birth on, actually, literally birth on, uh, depending on whether it is a natural birth or cesarean birth, certain and different kinds of bacteria start to form on the body and in the mouth. And it's relative. It's relative. So um, after that, depending on you know, your, your habits, the quality of your saliva. And what I mean by the quality of your saliva is that the more viscous your saliva is, the less watery your saliva is, the harder it is for the saliva to remove things off of your soft and hard tissue. But it also mm. depends on your habit. It depends on your, your diet, your hygiene. It also, the older you get, um, it depends on um, when your teeth actually first start to appear, what kind of fillings, what kind of restorations, if you have the denture, the temperature in your mouth, the pH particularly in your mouth, the nutrients that you consume, and your oxygen availability. So all of these things play um, into what specific kind of bacteria is in your mouth and there's a slew of them you know just i i think may i multiple multiple different bacterias but the most harming bacteria are are the gram negative ones the anaerobic ones those are the ones that cause the most problems and then also they produce sulfur which is what what causes the odor in our mouth. And most of our bacteria, by the way, 90% of it resides in the back of the tongue at the base of the tongue. So mm. there's still uh, quite a bit of work that needs to be done. But I think that their research so far is phenomenal. I mean, uh, so much information. So what can you tell when you look in someone's mouth? You know, I'm sure you have like super dental eyes, so you see stuff no one else sees. So what are some examples of things you could tell just by looking at someone's mouth when they get into the chair? Well, um, definitely there, we do oral cancer screenings. That is uh, very important. And um, I check their bite. I check um, their airways. I noticed that you, um, you've you designed a pillow, correct? Is that correct? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's uh, to keep people's head aligned and their airway clear as possible. It stems from exactly. my own problems. Exactly. Yes, yes. I, I did I did read up on that um on your pillow and, and that is I oh, have thanks. quite a no problem. I have quite a bit of patients that come in with um sleep apnea and they don't realize the ramifications of not treating that. So that is 
um, one thing that I definitely look at. Uh, I look at just generally what's going on at every surface of their teeth, um, just making sure that there isn't decay. I don't over-diagnose because tooth structure, nothing is comparable to tooth structure. Nothing is comparable to tooth structure. So I'm very careful about treatment planning, trying to um, maintain the integrity of the oral cavity. And then of course the gums. There's no point in working on the teeth if the gums are not in healthy condition. So um, I look, I look generally at, at everything to the best of my ability. And um, I have quite a few patients that um, are on appliances for sleep apnea. There are um, two or three ways to take care of that. One of them definitely being um, oral appliances, but as you said, just that, that the positioning too, to open up airways and the bite also has um, significant impacts on sleep apnea because if you have an overbite, what ends up happening is that you've got a narrower airway. And then of course your tonsils, I check the tonsils just to make sure that they're not, um, you know, oversized because that can definitely contribute to that. I check, you know, their hormones, if they're female, what's going on with that, depending on their age. I'm looking at the circumference of their neck. I'm looking at um, how, um, I don't know how to say this, you know, uh, whether they're obese or not. Um, these are the things that I look at um, when I'm trying to figure out how to help them with their sleep apnea. Because, uh, you know, other than the appliances, the alternative is surgery. And the, I think I really do believe all due respect to doctors. Um, I would prefer for my patients not to go under the knife for any. And then finally, just the, the, the CPAP machine. You know, and you can use the CPAP machine with the angulation of how you sleep, for example, with your pillow, with some kind of oral appliance. All of those things playing together are um, important. You know, it's just a lifestyle change. And staying yeah, away yeah, from yeah. alcohol, staying away from sedatives, you know, these are the things that I tell my patients. And how do they react, you know, like, you know, in doing these podcasts, I realize I'm I'm going to like, you know, a, a boring old dentist that doesn't tell me any of this. So I'm going to change. But um, on the other hand, you do all these things, an average person that goes to a dentist and then they come to you and you tell them about all these other ancillary things. How do they react? Do they say like, well, you're a dentist. You don't know about any of this other stuff or do they welcome no. it and they're happy? And, What's people's yeah, reaction? Yeah. No, uh, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, by the time I'm done talking, I tell my patients, you know, this is an earful and a mouthful. And I, you know, if, if I've spoken too much because I'm passionate about all of these things, you know, I apologize. And, you you know, nine times out of 10, they're responding like, oh, my God, I, I you know, I this is so informative. I've not been told this before. And then after I start, I stop talking about their mouth, I start telling them to take supplements like turmeric because these patients, you know, they have chronic diseases. And so turmeric, for example, is a very powerful anti-inflammatory. Black cumin seed is a very powerful anti-inflammatory. There are honey, for example, you know, just, um, watching diabetic patients, but honey, for example, is excellent for your gums. Um, oregano oil, 
uh, is a very powerful antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral. Of course, these are all appear to be may, but um, I have watched these patients clinically and I've, I've suggested these things to them. I had a patient just a couple months ago tell me she had a joint issue, she has arthritis. And I, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. I always have them check with their medical doctors, but the medical doctors are responding as well. Um, and so she came uh, in, this is just, yes, yes, I'm so proud of that. Uh, she came in um, just, just praising me and I don't like to be praised. I'm not, you know, I'm doing this because this is my job. This is what I love to do. This is what I'm passionate about. But she was ecstatic about how her arthritis had, had gotten better just simply by incorporating turmeric and black human feet, you know, and I've got like a, a list of things actually that I have them take. Those are just the two things that come to mind because they're extremely powerful. Um, but um, I will tell you this. I have a friend, okay? He is a lawyer. Um, yeah. He's, he's a good friend of mine. And I was over at his house. And I, for the first time, I met his wife. And um, she found out I was a dentist. And she started speaking to me how she found a way that, it, it, you know, it's unnecessary for people to floss. Of course, I slammed her down the second she said that because I absolutely <laughs> will never believe that. I will never right. believe that. There's nothing you can tell me that would make me believe otherwise, do you know? But she got a... There's a floss cause. That just yes, it's, it's absolutely the mechanical removal of the plaque before it turns into tartar. And the brushing, of course. The floss and the brushing, that's the deal. And the way you brush to at a 45-degree angle with a soft bristle toothbrush or a sonic technology toothbrush, which is much better, okay, uh, not pushing very hard on your gums because... That ends up being detrimental to the gums. But anyway, she went into her kitchen and started tinkering around with all of these oils, right? And yeah. um, she gave me a sample of what, she, what, what her, she's a, she's a chemist and she's a naturalist and she belongs to a nonprofit organization that helps um, all kinds of people. Um, and I'm really into pro bono. I'm really into giving back. But anyway, she gave me the sample and she put it in a glass bottle, an amber glass bottle, because it, it, it maintains its integrity longer because it is an oil. It was sunflower based oil. She was like, here, try this. Right. So I okay. tried it. I tried it for three months. And the things that I noticed in my mouth, the things that I noticed in my mouth, first of all, um, I don't know uh, if you're aware of something called pulling. Are you aware? Have you heard of pulling at all? I've heard I mean, the term. Okay. It's like so, a leaching of something out of something else, I believe, but what is it? It is, absolutely. So um, the most powerful pulling agent, and what that basically means is that you're, you're removing toxins out of your mouth by placing either sesame seed oil or sunflower oil in your mouth and you're keeping it in there, you know, as long as you can, at least five minutes. Okay. And you're spitting it out, but hopefully you're not spitting it out um, in the sink, of course, because those are toxins. It is 
toxic. So forgive me for saying this, but I, you know, I spit mine in my trash can. I don't, I don't want it to put it back in the, um, in the system. Um, so what I, what I noticed is that, um, the way, the way that she put all of the ingredients together, basically the, the effect of it may, but I noticed it in my mouth, okay? It definitely, it definitely reduced the, the time that it took for the biofilm to form again. Remember, the biofilm forms and it's pretty sticky. It stays on for, for quite a bit of time. And it, it took um, a longer time for the biofilm to form. And then the, the things that she had in it, again, it all compounded each other. I'll just give you some examples of the stuff that she had in it. Uh, she had, of course, the turmeric in it. She had charcoal in it, which detoxifies. She had yucca in it. Um, and yucca is basically a detergent. She had frankincense, she had neem, she had cayenne. Cayenne actually opens up the blood vessels and stimulates circulation. So I mean, she's totally thinking about everything. Um, she has xylitol in it. Xylitol is very effective remineralization. As a matter of fact, that's what we want in our mouth, our teeth to remineralize. And the Europeans, particularly the Germans, Xylitol, xylitol. That's a sweetener, right? Artificial sweetener. It is absolutely a sweetener. Yes, it is. Um, but what it does, the things that it does, is it remineralizes your tooth structure. She, so mm. then, yeah, like I was saying, the Germans have been using xylitol. We look to the Germans a lot for new technology, as far as dentistry is concerned. They've been using xylitol for years and years and years, shying away from fluoride. She had things what? like eucalyptus in it, tea tree oil. So basically, three or four years ago, I was thinking about coming up with something like that that may have incorporated um, five or six things, but nothing is a coincidence. And she, she graciously told me all of the ingredients in it, but she didn't tell me the amounts that she placed in. And I, you know, I'm fine with that. So I started giving it to my patients and then just checking them, checking their gums. And I tell you what, and the thing is, is that it's oil-based, which to me is brilliant. It's a genius because what she's doing is instead of the conventional pace, she's pulling at the same time. And I looked at her after I used this stuff and I was just like, if there's any way you can involve me in this, I am just, you know, like I said, a few years back, I just started thinking about you know, how I was going to approach this. And then there she is. I don't believe in coincidences, not at all. Yeah. No, just not at all. Well, um, <clears throat> good question. As a, as a clinician, you know, you looked inside thousands of people's mouths. Literally. Is there anything that you, yeah, yeah well, I mean, can you tell, for instance, if someone's a mouth breather or a nose breather, can you tell if they have apnea? Like, just by looking, you know, with your eyes, what things do you see that you're amazed that you can tell or you seem to be able to tell? Well, um, the first thing I, I, I request is for them to get a sleep test because there's no telling exactly um, what's going on as far as their oxygen levels and their sleep apnea without, you know, a proper sleep test. But I also ask them about um, dry mouth and I also ask them if their spouse, significant other 
uh, notices their snoring, notices if they're, um, you know, holding their breath for 10 seconds. Uh, um, these things are, um, you know, having a significant other next to you does help that. If they're waking up tired, if they're waking up with headaches, you know, all of these things contribute. And then, of course, their, their health issues, you know, because the, the apnea also can lead to blood pressure issues, heart disease issues, uh, depression, even death, you know, daytime tiredness. Mm. There are, you know, multiple questions that you can ask just to kind of see. But you know what, though? I will tell you this. Most of the patients that come in already know. They just, they just already know that they've got this sleep apnea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's another are, pattern pattern on the teeth or the tongue looks a certain way or again if you if you can tell just by looking that someone has an issue which would make you suggest an airway evaluation or a sleep study. Well, I mean again it's looking at um it's looking at the patient as a whole. You know, believe it or not, um the circumference of the neck has a lot to do with sleep apnea. The size of the tongue, the size of the tonsils, um, the the actual occlusion or their bite. Like I said, if they have an overbite or their um, their jaw, uh, if you know, particularly their top jaw is narrow or their bottom jaw is pushed backwards, then those are all indications that they there's a big possibility that they have sleep apnea. Mm, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So okay. what, what are some of the, uh, I don't know, are there any new advances in dentistry that you're starting to incorporate or new things coming that uh, you're aware of and patients should be aware of? I mean, I'm crazy about lasers. I really am. Uh, just for basically everything, you know, um, a lot of times these lasers make it um, unnecessary to to have injections, and and most patients do have the. I'm afraid of of needles myself, by the way. So there are ways to um, there are ways to give an injection that um, may be a lot less uncomfortable, uh, and that's just for example heating the the anesthetic to almost your core body temperature so when it goes in there's not you know a significant difference and it doesn't produce so much pressure but back to what you were saying um the way that crowns are made now the cad cam system with crowns um oxygen therapy again uh doctors being more cognizant of the uh chemicals that we're putting in people's mouths you know educating patients on um conservative diagnosis, for example, if I'm uh, able every single time not to do a root canal on a patient, there are, there's medication that we can place um, that, well, I, I, you know, I statistically 85% really, uh, it helps the patient not need uh, root canals, but it works both ways. Sometimes the tooth blows up. So, uh, you know, um, so that and also just taking, again, a more natural approach, not using, for example, one of the things that dentists have used for years and years to do, perform these root canals is uh, watered down bleach. I mean, that's, just, I don't know what to say about that. But um, okay. so, the, yeah, these 
things, you know, you have to be aware using um, certain material. Uh, I'm so into cosmetics. I'm so into cosmetics. So um, I practiced in Dubai for four years. And of course, Dubai is just, um, they're very into cosmetics and changing their smiles. So, uh, you know, I love doing that conservatively. These are the things that, and the material, the material is getting much better. It's getting less toxic. So all these things. What's a, a question about root canals? Do you do them? And is there an alternative to doing them? And what, what's the effect on the person once one is done? Okay. So then the medication uh, that it's a liner is what it is. So you're removing, let's say 90% of the decay, 90%. All right. Let's say 95% to where you can actually see the nerve, right? And you place this medication, this liner on the tooth. And what that liner does is that it remineralizes, it hardens the uh, tooth in that area and builds a bridge, if you will, between the nerve and the external tooth structure. So a lot of times that's just um, all that you need to do to prevent a root canal. Um, instead of placing um, what we use, the material that we use to do root canals, and by the way, the best dentist in the world, you have the best material in the world, the root canal statistically is still 50-50. We're placing rubber in your mouth. It is a foreign body, you know, and then the way that we do perform the root canals, we're only getting the nerves that are vertical. It's very hard to get horizontal uh, nerves. So one of the first things that oncologists sometimes ask their patients to do is to remove these root canal teeth. So the idea is to try to avoid them at all costs because when they end up, unfortunately, but I, you know, I tell you this, I'd rather keep a root in my mouth than alternatively placing a titanium screw in, you know, in other words, an implant. But that's a viable solution. They used to think that implants um, did not cause the same kind of um, infection, let's say, that regular tooth structure produces. But as a matter of fact, in 10 to 15 percent of these implants, placements, they, it, you know, it's starting to look like they are causing uh, infections, you know, implantitis, they are causing infections. So that's why I believe that, you know, I mean, uh, titanium screw is man-made and the root structure is not. Hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, very good. What's, um, <clears throat> what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to be a patient? Like what, what areas do you serve and if they're not local to you, what are, you know, what are some resources? Well, um, they can actually contact me directly on my cell phone. I will tell you that um, right now, uh, it, the, the past few years, I've been trying to um, open uh, uh, some clinics that basically serve the underprivileged and also serve people that are just, you know, middle class, people like you and I that you know, may have dental insurance and may not have dental insurance um, to, to help them out, to, you know, offer these services uh, for a lot less, so, or even free. So I'm in the process of working with a um, nonprofit organization, and we're hoping here in the next few months to actually <laughs> open up a clinic where we can 
serve these people. Veterans, for example, you know, just serve these people and um, get paid some some other way. I know that when I tell people that my dream has always been to um, do my craft for free and find another way to make money, they laugh at me, but uh, I don't care. Oh, that's fine. Well, it's been uh, it's been good having you, and I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice speaking with you as well. You're very you're very intelligent for sure. Yeah. Well, I just I just spoke to a lot of people, so if I can absorb their knowledge, maybe that's what what the effect is. Definitely. Hold, well hold on a second. Sure. Thank you. Hold on one second. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.